0: Breaking news and trending talk with Mike and McCarty. Mornings on 1017 FM and 710 Keel. 1017 FM,
1: 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. And on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline this morning, uh, Martha Merrick with the Northwest Louisiana Food Bank joining us. Martha, good morning.
2: Well, good morning. Thank you for letting me uh, on the show.
1: Thank you for talking with us this morning. We know there was a, a lot of food that was uh, brought in and provided for the utility workers at the fairgrounds. Um, that uh, now that they've moved back out of the area, gone back home, uh, a lot of food that was left over that's been donated to you. Is that correct?
2: That's right. Um, yesterday we were so thrilled to receive four tractor-trailer loads full of food. It was over 50,000 pounds. And this comes at a time, you know, at the food bank we always need food, but especially now after this event that we've had.
1: Now, we know a lot of people lost food. Are there requirements for somebody to come in, or is there income requirements or anything for people to come in and uh, access the uh, Northwest Louisiana Food Bank?
2: Yeah, there are, and I'm happy to share that information. So, you know, I was thinking about this just the other day, that we are almost naturally set up for a disaster. So the way the food bank works is the food bank is actually a huge distribution center, And we have about 130 locations all across Northwest Louisiana because our service area is seven parishes. And we partner with churches, soup kitchens, homeless shelters year round that receive our food and get it to the people that need it. And so there is food available right now all across seven parishes. So the what we would ask is, if anyone needs help, to call us. Don't come to the food bank. Call us, and we will help you over the phone find a location closest to where you live. Now, there is an income requirement. Basically, if you were a SNAP recipient, you immediately qualify to receive food for, from us.
1: Now, what about... any anyone- what about I'm people sorry, that, I... that lost their freezers and refrigerators during the last storm and lost all of their food? Is there any assistance available for citizens in, in that respect?
2: If they're low income, yes. If they're not, then I would suggest they work with their insurance company to reclaim that.
3: Martha, let me ask you, the the truckloads that came from the SWEPCO, um how much of that's perishable, you know, like meats and, and that kind of thing, and, and how much do you have to get get out quickly?
2: So we have huge coolers and freezers at the food bank and so um you know we can we can get it to our partners very methodically. Um we have refrigerated trucks, so there's no um urgency, uh, only the urgency is to get it to the people that need it, not from a spoilage standpoint. Um, so, yeah, we can get that food out to our, to our network of partners pretty quickly.
3: Is the goal that these partners will put together, you know, boxes of food to get to people and have certain times when folks can come through? Do you know the
2: plan? That's exactly right. So at all of these partners have um, distribution days and times. And so if anyone needs food, all they need to do is call us at the food bank, and the food bank number is 675-2400, and we will find out. So if someone calls us, we're going to ask them what zip code do they live in, and within that zip code we may have multiple partners and find out who is distributing the soonest, um, closest to where that person lives.
3: And they're going to be doing that this week, right? That's kind of urgent, isn't it?
2: We do this year round. So, yes, some will be this week, some may be next week. We're also working with Caddo Parish to do a Caddo Parish-wide distribution the second Saturday in July. We're working on all the locations for that, too. That will be a drive-through, um, just like we did during the pandemic. So there's more information to come on that, but if anybody can't get to a food pantry like if they're working and it's you know the pantry is only open during the day, we will have a Saturday distribution by car um to hopefully help even more people I'd also like to say you know we have um a soup kitchen here in our community that's open every day, and that's Christian service on levy street and No questions asked, no income requirement. If anyone is in an emergency situation and has absolutely nothing to eat or just wants to save their food to last them longer, they can go to Christian service for breakfast from 8 to 10 and for lunch from noon to 2 p.m. and get a prepared meal.
1: So if somebody needs uh, some assistance, They can call the Northwest Louisiana Food Bank. Give us that number one more time.
2: Sure. It's 675-2400. So you
1: ask not to go down there, but rather to call first.
2: Right, right. So we don't distribute food from the food bank. The food bank is already in many communities across Shreveport, Bossier, every community in Northwest Louisiana.
3: One more thing, our last 30, 45 sure. seconds. In folks that got some money replenished on their SNAP benefit card and they're going to go grocery shopping in the next day or two, wh- give me an idea of what's going to be in these boxes so they don't need to go buy that. You follow me? Save their SNAP benefits yeah, to spend on something it, else.
2: Sure. It's really going to vary by location. Okay. So So, you know, I, I don't know what each location has specifically. They may have run out of a particular item, so um, it's typically non-perishable, I, right? No, it's perishable too. Okay. About a third of our distribution is produce, so oh, wow. um, okay, th- yeah. There's um, there should be produce available and a little of everything.
1: Martha Merritt with the Northwest Louisiana Food Bank. Thanks for uh, catching us up this morning. We appreciate your time. Thank- 1017 FM 710 Kiel, Mike and McCarty. Okay, I recorded the game last night, so, and I'm going to watch it tonight, so don't tell me how it ended. <laughs> don't tell me, don't tell me.
0: Okay, I won't.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Did you stay up the whole time?
3: Yeah, that's why my chin is on the mic. I'm yeah. just kind of.
1: <laughs> I know, right? That was too
3: late for me. Too late, but I couldn't. Ooh, I couldn't wee. either.
1: I was like, no, there's no way.
3: Yeah, just so exciting.
1: I, I was texting some friends. I said, I wish we could put twenty five up on them.
3: Oh yeah, we, you know, we broke the record for the hit, so we that that was 24 hits. We did get twenty four hits. Yes, which was awesome. So we broke one of the records that they broke against us. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited about that. And you know, we win. We it doesn't matter. The night before doesn't matter. Nope. We win. And to see Skeens carry Milazzo on his, on his back
1: out out
3: to the dog pile, I thought, oh man, (laughs) class act.
1: Of course we're talking LSU baseball.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: How could you? Okay, the the fan just kicked off.
3: We have a fan in here. The that
1: lights are still on. I think a, we're still on the yeah, air. We have a haunted fan.
3: He, he keeps com He keeps. I'm calling him a he because <laughs> no woman would do that. He keeps coming oh, on yeah. and off. <laughs> but it was just. I mean, what was but, it? it? Ended but, up being eighteen to four, something like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh but, Lord. But Aaron. And this will be talked about. Coaches are going to use this for years mm-hmm. to get decimated twenty-four to four. Yes, and then come back the next night and show that kind of fortitude.
3: Oh gosh!
1: And and, and then you get down two to nothing right mm-hmm. off the bat. Right, pun intended. Yeah. Um, And then to come back, yeah. But I was that freaking was, out
3: a little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, and I'm not well, lying. After
1: that first home run, I was like, no,
3: oh, no. Yeah, don't let this happen again, not please. Again. But we we maintained composure. And, I, you know, I I was wrong well, yesterday when I told you if you don't play skeins, you got to go work at a, a junior college. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't need him.
1: Man. You saved him. What about herd?
3: Oh, my gosh. He stepped it up. They were so Golly. ready. They they were all,
1: you know, they were ready, and they did a good job. And let me give props to somebody that I was just so down on. Oh, you weren't alone. Jordan Thompson, baby. Mm-hmm. What a game.
3: Yeah, he had a Boy, great game. Boy, he stepped it up. Our Our bottom of our lineup, batting, was exceptional.
1: Yeah, they came. Exceptional. Yeah. They, they came to play oh. last night, and which was good to see.
3: And in the tank, you know, every time Cruz <laughs> gets on, it's like his batting average
1: goes up over six hundred.
3: Right, almost seven hundred. <laughs> That's crazy. It is unbelievable. It's just a what a celebration to see Mulkey in the stands. You know, celebrating. I thought, about I thought you when oh I man, I was so stoked. It was, Somebody
1: oh. during the game. During the game, somebody sent me a, a, a meme of uh, Cruz. Yeah, it just came back on. Okay, <laughs> hey, y'all need to
3: get this haunted butthead out of here.
1: Cruz going up against a wall, okay? Up against the wall. Mm-hmm. I sent it to you. And the oh. shadow uh, behind him on the wall was Ooh. a goat.
3: Oh,
0: yeah. Uh, mm. That is so
1: clever. <laughs> We're so clever, so
3: good, and I love pointing to the ring finger, baby. Come on, bring it, bring me my ring. Yep, I don't care who does it. I, you win it, you can point to it.
1: That was yeah, that was pretty uh, funny,
3: pretty good. Yeah, I'm, and now there's the now there's that picture with Burrow, uh, Angel, yeah, and now Dylan, all of them pointing to their <laughs> ring finger. Yeah, baby, bring it on. So exciting. Oh man, what a game. And now we can get ready for football.
1: Okay. Now, Brian Kelly's got to go, okay, yeah, my turn.
3: Yeah. Your turn, baby. monkey. Uh, yeah. her second
1: year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jake Johnson, his oh, second year. Kelly's
3: second year? Is this his second year?
1: Isn't, it, isn't this his second year? A
3: second or third. Yeah, it's close.
1: Well, anyway, it's time. Yeah, it's yeah. time. Yeah. It's like, okay. It's we, time to win gotta... one,
3: baby. <laughs> oh, boy, that'd be exciting. Golly, if we could do that. Man.
1: Apparently, there's a big, uh, there's a big kerfuffle going on downtown. Mm-hmm. Noise issue, uh, clubs. Right.
3: How loud can they
1: be? How loud? How late?
3: Yeah. The, the council's trying to work out a compromise measure to please everybody, but you can't never please everybody. If you
1: want to, if you want a party, okay, but not in the streets. Literally. Yeah, yeah, not in the streets, right. outside in the streets. Mm -hmm. Chief Smith is going to join us uh, possibly Thursday
3: to talk about this. We tried to get him today, but he's busy with that big football camp. You know, Dak Prescott's here. I think Dak ranks a little higher than we do.
1: (laughs) You think? Yeah, just a smidge. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll find out. We do have Liz Swain from the Downtown Development Authority going to join us at 640 talking about this issue of uh, noise downtown and Mm -hmm. the ordinance and... Are people following it or not? Right. We'll find out. Micah McCarty, 1017. 1017 FM 710 KEO, Mike and McCarty.
3: I, you know, I was looking at something. I was a little bit disappointed in Texas this morning. Cause I see in my like news the feed. The state of Texas? Yeah, yeah. Cause in my news feed, you know, I get kind of alerts on big stories, things that are happening. And Tennessee now boasts, as we sit here today, can now boast the largest Buckies in the world. Tennessee, Tennessee,
1: is small it near town, Nashville.
3: No, it's Sevierville, something like that. It's the home of Dolly Parton. She boasts Sevierville is her hometown, I guess. And they opened a seventy-four thousand square foot Buckies yesterday.
1: It's hard, hard to imagine one bigger than that one over near Terrell, Texas.
3: Wait, it's getting it's getting bigger. Uh, this one has one hundred and twenty gas pumps. Oh my god! Seventy-four thousand square feet. But they're building one in Luling, Texas. That's going to be 75,000 square feet. (laughs) 121 gas pumps? 120 gas pumps. But my deal is the one in Sevierville they announced yesterday is going to have 350 jobs. Mr. Beaver, Arch, the owner, says the one in Luling is going to have 250 jobs. I think you have more jobs... I think you still kind of have bragging rights, you know. If you're the sure. Bucky's with the 350 jobs, and Luling is the one with the 250 jobs, though you got a thousand square feet more. Which one's really bigger? I don't know, Texas. How, well, how does Texas get away with fewer workers? What's the deal? I don't understand it. But when you look at go go look at keelnews.com, dot com, this store it's insane. It's insane. You can't see everything <laughs> can't, in this store.
1: I stopped. Well, look, I, my, my, my mug. Yeah. I got that at Bucky's.
3: It's just, there's so much. It's, I think for me, I've gotten to the point in life where it's too overwhelming. Mm-hmm. It's too much. I walk in and I'm like, oh, I almost want to walk back out and just play with the little Bucky thing out in the front. Just sit on him and wait for my friends. Y'all hurry up. I'm going to sit right here and y'all come on. But it so right now, as we speak, Tennessee has the bragging rights. Texas will pick it up as soon as their new one opens later this year. So anyway, for Bucky's lovers, right now, Tennessee the winner.
1: I, 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 I love the fact that the owners are believers. Oh yeah, and they take care of their employees. Mm-hmm. I, I do love that.
3: Oh, they make big bucks at Bucky's. Yes, big bucks at Bucky's. The employees big time.
1: do well. Mm-hmm. Liz Swain with the uh, Downtown Development Authority going to come uh, join us just after the break. Mike and 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline. Director of Downtown Development Authority, Liz Swain, joining us. Liz, good morning.
4: Hey, good morning, Mike. How yep. are you doing? Well,
1: I'm doing very well. Y'all recovering from the storms and getting all We the...
4: are. We are. We are. Luckily, downtown had relatively little damage. Uh, yesterday, we had a pole down and some tree limbs and things like that, but... Uh, you know weathered through it pretty well
3: thankfully liz there was a big discussion before the city council yesterday about the noise ordinance for Mm -hmm. the nightclubs downtown um some saying that there's been discussion (laughs) about um the noise has to drop at 11 p.m it has to be you know where you can't hear it more than 50 feet away what what is the rule now for the clubs and their music
4: Well, it is a little confusing, and so that's what the city attorney was talking about and the mayor. They were saying that the noise ordinance as it's written, and it is a lengthy document. And let me remind everybody that this is the noise ordinance for the city of Shreveport. It's not just the noise ordinance for downtown. Mm -hmm. This is the noise ordinance that prevents Mike from having a rave at his party in his subdivision every weekend <laughs> right with uh, with loud music and
1: but my and neighbors like love that. it so,
4: uh, yeah <laughs> I, I know your neighbors love it but you know there's that one neighbor i who blast never i mm-hmm. blast that yeah.
1: benny goodman so loud
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love
4: it i know so I what can it. they
3: do what are they allowed to do
4: yeah. well right now what the noise ordinance says is a little bit confusing um and so what the city wants to do, and I think that this is a, a very appropriate decision that they have made, is to take a look at the noise, the noise ordinance to see where it works and where it doesn't, and to come up with some common sense rules and regulations. Um, so what it says right now is that I think at 10 o'clock, uh, noise has to drop to a level that is uh, below what people think uh, that it needs to be if you have a rooftop deck or you're having some sort of an outdoor musical event and so the city's going to take a look at that and uh, definitely we want to be able to have a seat at the table to play a role. Now let me tell you why this is super important for downtown especially but for the city as a whole for downtown to thrive we need residential. We need more residential. And when you think about our club area downtown which is basically the 200 block of of uh Texas Street, that portion of Spring Street between Texas and Travis, Mm -hmm. um, that general area there, we have a lot of residential within about a block of there. We have the Standard. We have some single-family residential. We have the Remington Hotel, which is not residential, but people are staying there and trying to sleep there overnight. And then we have several other buildings that people are looking at converting to residential within those couple of blocks. And so You know, downtown, we have no yards separating us. We share walls between buildings. So it's important for all of us to play well together in a very small space.
3: But you don't want clubs. If you're a club owner, you don't want to shut down your music at 10 or 11 at night. That's when some people just get there.
4: You know, and I don't think that the ultimate goal is to shut down music at 10 o'clock. But I think the ultimate goal is to find a way where everyone is happy-ish, right? Mm-hmm. We may not be ecstatic <laughs> about the outcome, but we can live with the outcome. And I think that that is uh, the direction that we're
3: trying to go in. What about inside the club? Will the music sound in? If they don't have a deck or patio, can, yeah. the, can the music in Doesn't the club? Matter. Doesn't matter. You can,
4: you, can, you can make it as loud as you want inside the club and people can dance and have a great time. Uh the latest controversy uh that has come up is about exterior noise. Mm -hmm. And it it's not about the type of music at all. It doesn't matter what kind of music. It can be Benny Goodman, you know, at a thousand decibels. Sure. It can be whatever you want to play. It's the level. Of the of the music, but if you're if you're setting
1: up speakers and encouraging people to dance out in the street and block traffic, you can't. We can't support that.
4: There are rules, obviously, and laws about blocking streets, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So the city uh, and the police department want to enforce anything that's creating a hazard. And certainly people who are dancing in the street or maybe climbing on vehicles, that is probably an offense, <laughs> I will say, <laughs> that the police can come in, can stop people, can cite them. Um, the noise is a different thing. So, you know, let's try and, and keep those things separate. If people are doing something that's illegal, then the police generally have the tools at their disposal to deal with it or our law enforcement, whoever may be responding. But the noise is something that really can have a real detrimental impact on downtown. Again, when you're looking at residential, let's look at, um, we've got the old Sport 10 bus terminal that has turned into a very vibrant location called Shreve Station. They play music outside. Mm -hmm. You've got two large apartment complexes right across the street. How do they coexist? You've got other bars deeper into downtown that have street parties. Just a couple of weeks ago, one of those street parties was very, very loud. There are multiple apartment complexes all around. So it's not just uh, the clubs in on Spring Street or Texas Street that we are grappling with the noise ordinance over. It's It's about downtown in general. What makes sense for downtown?
3: Let me ask you this. There have been some some concerns that um, there really have not been a whole lot of complaints about this. But I, I've talked to some police folks who say, yeah, there have. We, we do get a lot of calls about the noise. What do you know? Do you hear from people who are upset about the noise?
4: I have. I have over the years. I've heard from people. And I think that what we see is if you call the police department and you give your name, you are taken down as a complaint. It is registered as an official complaint. If you are scared to give your name, if you feel that there may be repercussions of some sort or you just choose not to, it I do not believe it is taken down as an official complaint. So there is the possibility that um, that with all sorts of of things. People are calling and it's just not being registered as an official complaint.
3: Liz, as the director of the Downtown Development Authority, this is how you're going to speak right now, if you don't mind, which is what you've been doing all morning. But anyway, (laughs) what is your message to the city council that looks like they might let these clubs keep the music on on patios until one in the morning? What do you say to them this morning? Don't do it.
4: Oh, I would never say that. I think that we have to have patios and we have to have rooftop deck opportunities for downtown. I think that is one thing that will keep downtown vibrant, but residential does, too, and our other types of businesses. So I think that it's important for all of us to work together to come to some sort of an agreement that is mutually acceptable, that we can all live with, and we're all good neighbors because of it.
1: Gotcha. Liz Swain, Downtown Development Authority, thanks for talking with us this morning.
4: You are so welcome. We'll
1: keep an eye and an ear out on this story. Okay, thank Thank you. 101.7 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty. By the way, I do want to say happy birthday to my mom.
3: Oh, happy birthday, mom. It's
1: my mom's birthday yes. today.
3: That's so cool. So Hopefully cool. Hopefully we
1: won't have a storm and power outage. Yeah,
3: no kidding. How long were y'all out yesterday?
1: Um, it went out when we were on the air.
3: Mm-hmm. Yesterday morning,
1: what, 7.30? Yeah. 7, 7.30?
3: Right after you said I hadn't got a message from Swepco.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it came back on as I was on my way to the house to okay. check on everything. Perfect. Um, yeah, around noon.
3: Well, good. So, so you weren't out too long. It
1: wasn't, it wasn't too long. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Swepco Cruise. Um And you remember I told you that there was a huge limb in one of my trees Mm -hmm. that had broken but was stuck up there. Yeah. Yeah, it came down.
3: Oh, how close to the house? Between
1: my shed and my garage. My My garage goes all the way to the back of the property. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The driveway goes past the house, past the gate, into the back.
0: Did you go cut it up?
1: Not yet. I'm going to. Okay, you know, you can
3: hire somebody to do that.
1: Oh, it's it's one. It, I mean, it's it's huge. But <laughs> I've got a chainsaw.
3: You got money too, a little bit. Yeah, not a lot, but no. you have a little bit.
1: I save that for my parties on the weekend. Okay. I have to pay the bands.
3: You should be saving it for your back surgery over. Opasta, you're gonna have back surgery I'm. later in life.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I actually enjoy working the chainsaw. Do
3: you really? Yeah, it's yeah, man. Uh, man. Uh, 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 <laughs>
1: It's, it's Yeah. I saw a And meme. I got one that, that you can crank it. Yeah. And you hold it and it just runs. Oh, I'm so excited. I, saw,
3: I, You would never do this. I know. I'm praying you would never do this. But I saw a guy. It was a meme. It was a guy who was trying to get his chainsaw started. Right. He had it turned where the blade <laughs> no, was no, between no. his legs.
1: No. I knew you were going to say that. And he
3: was trying to start it. I thought surely he didn't. Surely nobody would really do that. It had to be a joke. It had to be
1: a joke. It had yes. to be a joke.
3: You're not starting a chainsaw when you, you're holding it with your legs.
1: <laughs> holding it between your crotch. Please tell
3: me there are no men that stupid.
1: Oh, there are. Please tell me there are not. Oh, there are. <laughs> oh, Lord. That would hurt, you know. I was I was going out. <laughs> my, my, my wife's grandmother lived in Kichai. And I was going out, um, oh dang, I forgot, just went blank on the, the road. Anyway, residential area heading out toward, uh, four forks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just happened, it was that moment, an old man was on a ladder with a chainsaw and I watched him fall off oh. the ladder with the oh. chainsaw. I kept driving hoping he was okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, no, I stopped. Oh gosh. <laughs> he oh. was okay, but that was a, that was a kind of a scary yeah, moment. You don't absolutely. know what you're going to walk up on. You bet. Uh, speaking of the power yesterday going out, Michael Corbin with Swepco going to join us coming up after the local news, giving us an update on their restoration efforts today. 1017 FM, 710 Kiel. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Micah McCarty, and, uh, welcoming our third co-host this month, <laughs> Michael Corbin. We're going to have to put you on the payroll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, sweat Co. As much
5: as I'd appreciate it, I'd kind of like that not to happen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, no kidding. But us too, quite frankly. Uh, mine, uh, l- I lost power yesterday during that, uh, storm when it came through in the morning, but mine came back on just before lunchtime, so. Uh, Thank you for that. But uh, where are we sitting right now with our numbers?
5: Well, numbers certainly look better than they uh, did this time yesterday. Um, System-wide, we've got about 6,800 outages, the majority of that being in northwest Louisiana, of course. Uh, Shreveport has about 3,400 this morning. Bozier city has about 830. And if you break that out by parish, it's about 3,750 in Caddo and 2,600 in Bozier, with basically Shreveport and the Halton area and area below Halton uh, probably hit the worst.
3: How long do these folks, should they be without power?
5: Well, we felt really confident we would have it all back on yesterday. And this is a completely different outage than what we saw a little over a week ago when the big storm came through. There we lost transmission uh, that we had to get back on before we could work on neighborhood outages, and this is primarily neighborhood outages, and it's just four here, six here, three here, really scattered, and and it's uh, a little bit slower going to get those repairs done. But again, same type of damage that we saw, where um, you know trees and limb impact to our lines. Not quite as many broken poles, but there still are some
1: uh, poles we'll have to repair as well. Did this come just out of the blue, pardon the pun? I mean, was this another unexpected wind event? Yeah, I
5: think it's. I think it's because Aaron and I were kind of high-fiving through text yesterday morning early <laughs> about how good the, how good the numbers were. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron uh, said,
1: "Yeah, I got a text from Michael saying it's a wonderful day. You know, yeah. less than what eight hundred people, and less
3: than thirty or something. thirty people. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I, I it's a normal day.
5: Had, I had just sent the text." And was getting ready to walk out the door, and every alarm in the house, all all three cell phones go off, and um I think the microwave was blinking. It was just terrible. And uh, we
1: only laugh I, you know, because I, keep from crying.
5: Yeah, I mean that's like what else can you do? And, and uh, I don't know. I haven't heard many people talk about it, but what's up with the Barksdale bubble?
3: Thank you. What the heck happened to that thing? That's too long no, of a damn know. vacation. But is it
1: effective against those winds like that? Maybe not. Well, I, may, maybe
5: they deployed the bubble for a while. I'm not sure. I need to talk to the colonel about it. But um, it it was scary. I thought I could get to the office uh, before the storm hit hit downtown Shreveport. And uh, of course, being the junior meteorologist that I am, I miscalculated. <laughs> and between between Preston and you Stoner. Can- it was scary. You I really, got I, I really thought the car was going to get blown off the road.
3: Let me ask you a stupid question. And I I don't know if you can answer this or not. Of the five thousand or so in shreveport Bozier that are without power, how many of them date back to the you know last week that are still out? You follow me?
5: Um, none, none. Okay. We had, yeah, we don't have anybody that is that has still been out that long. Now, I'm going to put an asterisk at the end of that and say there are still some people who have damage to their home, damage to their their meter box and weatherhead that they've got to take care of. There still are a handful of people that need to have those private repairs made before we can uh, provide power. But, um, I mean, it it started off a normal day yesterday.
3: Michael, I saw right by the um, Albertsons near Southfield and East Kings, I saw a power line. Uh, on the east side of Kings, really drooping down. Like, I mean, is that something that you need to report? I mean, I could have probably stood under it and jumped up and touched it. Um, I was a little curious about that.
5: Yeah, a couple of things. Um, When you look at a pole, the lines that are on the bottom of that pole are not ours. That's AT&T, Comcast, Fiber Companies. So those lowest normally black cables that... And there's still a lot of them, like coiled up on the ground around a pole. Those are communication cables, and that work will start once SWEPCO has finished all of all Aren't of. Aren't they a little work.
1: bit smaller too than the power yeah, cables? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, they, they
5: are. They are. So now there are some areas where maybe a tree has 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 nicked the line, and it will pull that line loose. One of our lines, and and it will be low. So, you know, we don't want to we don't want to forget our safety and uh, assume any line is. Any line is a power line, and uh, you know, call and report it, and and that's and that's what we want people to do. Is like you know, as we get into today by midday, if you still if you still have an outage, uh, go on the app and report it, uh, or or call us and, and let us know that you're still without power.
1: Michael, when this hit yesterday, about seven thirty yesterday morning, uh, we know a lot of the uh, out of town linemen and line women had left. Did you? Did you call any of them back in, or was Swepco able to handle yesterday's storm?
5: We did not. We had already uh, broken down our base camps and um, uh, sent them on their way because you know a lot of those folks had been here at that point for a week and um, had just worked tirelessly. Uh, but the levels—this was not at the level where we needed to bring in additional people. But. I just I hope everybody keeps our SWEP co-workers in your in your thoughts and prayers. I mean, they have worked relentlessly for a month with just storm after storm after storm.
3: And today's heat, Michael, I don't even know how anybody could work in this. They're they're talking about 120 heat index today. I mean, unbearable.
5: Yeah, yeah. it's it's uh, it's just the worst situation, and they're heroes. And there's just no there's no other way to say. Uh, or to show appreciation for the work that they do, and 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 I, I appreciate all of the businesses and the people that have reached out and said, "What can we do for our utility workers?" Because it it really means a lot.
3: I did get a notice just now, a bulletin, just so you know, um, the Barksdale bubble was loaned out to Offutt Air Force Base in Omaha to help the LSU Tigers. <laughs> so it's been on loan.
5: Well, well that's the I'm problem. <laughs> Well
0: I let's know how put
5: it in a B 2 and get it back.
3: Yeah, let's get it back. Michael Corbin's Webco, thanks for your time, sir.
5: Good. Hope to not talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, me too. <laughs>
1: Us too. Thank you, Michael. What? A- 101.7 FM, 710 Keel, Mike and McCarty, Aaron. I'll read you a headline. Okay. I don't even know. This is the most... <laughs> well, let me just read this to you. All right. I'm scared now. Transcyclist Austin Killips says, men are underrepresented in women's sports. Wow. Okay. Men are underrepresented in women's sports.
3: I just don't understand.
1: I just want to let that lay there for a moment.
3: Mm-hmm. We need more men in women's sport. Do we need more women in men's sports too? Does the reverse fit? I don't Years ago,
1: it. my son uh, was on the wrestling team at Airline.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he came over to me during during one of the matches, and, and he just had this look on his face. I said, what? And he says, Dad, I have to wrestle a girl.
3: No way.
1: I said, what? Are you what? serious? Now, Aaron, this is a no-win situation for a a, a guy. Yeah. A high school Wrestler,
3: they grab each other oh, under it's, the. It's,
1: yeah, oh yeah.
3: They grab each other across the.
1: Oh yeah. He, he they said, lay
3: on top of each other.
1: He says, "I have to rest." I said, and he was just—he was mortified. He's just mortified. I said, Casey, just Did go in it? there, pin her, and get out. You know. <laughs> I mean, it's a no-win. You win, big deal. You beat a girl. You beat a girl. Mm -hmm. But if you lose... Oh! Now, are there women who can beat men in a wrestling Sure. Sure. There are, I mean, individual cases. Right. But Aaron, as a general rule, it is not a level playing field. Yes, he pinned her and got out. It was very quick, by the way. Mm Mm-hmm. God. It's not a level playing field. The 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 man who who played Venus and Serena and beat them both in straight sets when they were younger. Okay. He was it, it was a, a German tennis player. He was ranked two hundred and third. Mm-hmm. And he beat them when they were younger. Now they were younger. They're pretty but, good but when they were young, though. They, oh, oh Of course, and, and you would say best best women tennis players in the world. Oh, absolutely. I mean, my gosh, they kill me. You know. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. But it's not a level playing field.
3: It's not. The strength and power is different.
0: The, it's
1: just different. The muscle mass is different. Mm-hmm. The heart and lungs are different. the The construction of the body is different by design.
3: Right.
0: We're designed
1: right. to be different.
3: I just don't and understand. And we're
1: complementary to one another.
3: Why you would want your girl to wrestle with boys? Oh. I don't be? I don't
1: get that either. And Somebody's I look if girls to wrestle fine.
3: If they want to wrestle I uh, But yeah. have a
1: but have a women's division.
3: Yes, let women wrestle women.
1: Not don't put men in the pool with girls. I don't understand that. And don't put them in the locker room with Mm. girls. I just, I I came across that headline and I was just, I I was floored.
3: I struggle with that a lot.
1: Men are underrepresented in women's sports. Okay. Whatever. And if you look at the picture, there's this this dude standing on the podium and he he won like five minutes, Mm -hmm. you know, over the women. Right. There's one glaring aspect of this photo that I won't go oh into on gosh. the. Oh, gosh. It's like,
3: seriously? Yeah. Stop
1: it. It's nuts. <sighs> Mike and McCarty, 1017. Uh-huh. 101- fm 710-Keel, Mike and McCarty.
3: This is interesting. Did you know that John Bell Edwards was in Europe last week? I did, last I did week? not.
1: He didn't call me. He didn't? in clear um, and it with me. At the
3: same time, Billy Nungesser was in
1: Australia. Remember the guys years ago? the, the I think it was two executives from Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Could not fly on the same plane.
3: Yes, because yes. they were the
1: only ones that had the actual recipe, the
3: syrup, yeah, for the mm-hmm. Coca Cola
1: formula. How How are the governor and the lieutenant governor
3: both out of both the,
1: out of the state,
3: out of the country? Even. What if
1: What if we got attacked?
3: What if something? What serious? if Texas yes. came over and
1: started attacking us? <laughs> the Arkansas militia came down. We're unprepared.
3: It looks like it would be the secretary of state in charge. And then the Attorney General. Could you imagine if Jeff Landry had been in charge and he could have undone a bunch of things in a week? I'm going to undo all this legislation. <laughs>
1: that would have been cool. That would have been pretty funny.
3: Kyle Ardwan could have done some stuff last week.
1: Bell, Bell Edwards he... came back and said, wait, 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 you did what?
3: <laughs> Fired your whole staff? <laughs> that would have been interesting. I, I, I don't know if they knew. Did everybody know both of them were gone?
1: <laughs> I, I, oh,
3: you got to pass the baton, don't you?
1: You're. I it. mean, obviously, it's legal. I, I obviously they yeah. wouldn't have done it if it weren't legal.
3: I just I, nobody realized they were both out of the country at the same time. Who knew? Did not realize that.
1: I'm just glad our enemies didn't know.
3: Yeah, so no kidding. Yeah, the Texas militia didn't in, invade. Yeah, that was close. <laughs>
1: Speaking of Louisiana, is going to have to redraw district lines according to the Supreme Court decision. Mm-hmm, that's what it looks like. Alabama you now. Our 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 decision was based on that decision, and it's all falling.
3: Oh boy, yeah.
1: We're going to talk with Scott Hughes, Shreveport political analyst, uh, uh, about this coming up just after the break, Mike and McCarthy. 1017 FM, 710 Keel, Mike M. McCarty on the Jack Spring Electric Newsmaker Hotline, uh, Shreveport Political Analyst Scott Hughes. Scott, good morning. It's been a long time since uh, I've talked with you.
6: Good morning, Mike. Yeah, I was in and you were, you were taking care of some business. So sorry I missed you, but but good to see you.
1: Thank you. You, you too, sir. And uh, um, this is something that... that i haven't kept up with over the years so you know i'm learning all of this stuff so i'm looking forward to your expertise on helping me understand what the heck is going on with these district lines the u.s supreme court has ruled that uh, louisiana will need to draw new lines to create another majority black district is that correct
6: um, yeah, it is. I think it's interesting. The way, the way it came down, they actually, I believe, are going to allow, air quotes, allow Louisiana to redraw, which is really, I think, a good thing. Um, Louisiana has, over the last, I guess, 20 or 30 years, struggled with the potential of a second, what they call majority-minority district. Um, that would be, in, in our case, African-Americans with the ability to elect an a African-American congressman, potentially. Um, it goes back really to what's called the Cleo Fields years and the D. Zoro district. But um, we recently redrew the lines every 10 years. They count the people. They divide that by the magic number. In our case, it's six. We get six congressional districts. And Louisiana clearly has 33% um, African-American population. Um, the math is pretty easy. Six divided by .33 or a third is two. So most folks look at Louisiana and say you should have two districts where there's an opportunity for an African American candidate um, to um, to to be elected, and we only have one. We have a district that's out of primarily New Orleans um, that that you traditionally see an African American or a Democrat, whichever you want to look at that, come out of. And we and then the other five have been drawn traditionally to be very strong Republican or white districts, and so it is going to be a challenge. But the courts have said they're going to let the legislature attempt to redraw. They actually have maps when When they did this, mm-hmm. there's already been a lawsuit filed in Louisiana. Um, and the lawsuit was basically stopped. The Fifth Circuit, um, the Federal Fifth Circuit sort of stopped that um, they were going to expo- expedite that case. And the Supreme Court said, stop. Don't do anything in that lawsuit until we rule on this other lawsuit, which I believe was the Alabama lawsuit because the facts are very similar. And then now that they've ruled on Alabama, that came a week or two ago. Now they're saying, you fall under the same legal ruling. We're going to throw it back to you and let you redraw your lines. hope that makes sense.
3: Don't they go back to the courts, though, for like the final, yeah, you go redraw your lines? Isn't that kind of the procedure, and then they got to come back into session?
6: It, 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 that's what we're watching because, yes, it first goes back to the courts, through the Fifth Circuit, back to the lower court. Um, and so um, that judge, I think, but I think what the Supreme Court was implying is, rather than have the judiciary draw the lines, and there is a map out there because it has been drawn by um, sort of those that filed the lawsuit, I think they're really saying we'd rather go back to the legislature. So this is sort of a game of tennis, and the Supreme Court has hit the ball back in the other courts, and they've kind of said we'd rather the legislature draw their own lines, and those 144 people in Baton Rouge decide on something, and that's the neatest and cleanest. But the, the I think the handwriting's on the wall, if they don't, The courts are prepared to step in and draw the line. And that's where it gets interesting.
3: You may have heard Sharon Hewitt talk to us about this a a couple of weeks ago because she was heavily involved in these maps. And she told us the Zorro District really doesn't work, that it looks like they would have to go back to trimming another district out of the Baton Rouge area because we wouldn't have enough population in the Zorro District. Um, What do you say to that?
6: I think she's correct. And um the Zoro district really the, the other thing about the Zoro district is not only is it really hard mathematically, for those it's hard to do on the radio, um, but if you imagine a district that would that would start in Shreveport, a tip of it would be in Shreveport to grab a percentage of our black population, it would go across I twenty to Monroe to get some of the black population in Monroe, it would then go down the state to hit Alexandria to get some black population there and then go back to the right into North Baton Rouge. That's the Z they're talking about. And that's what Cleo Field was the representative of years ago that the courts really determined was not correct. And one reason it's not correct, because you look at a map and you go, who drew that? That certainly doesn't look like a natural boundary. So I think, what you're referring to is this time they would likely not take that route. This time they likely would take the entire, probably 60% top of the state. You basically can draw a line where the boot comes across in Louisiana, where Mississippi sits that ledge, you could basically draw a line across that ledge, and everything in North Louisiana would be one congressional district, and then they would sneak it down from there into North Baton Rouge to try to get enough that black population. So it's really going to be us. It's us in Monroe that probably get thrown together. I would bet to try to get that 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 one. Um, or, or we would become one in order to be able to create the ability to get a second one that might be between Baton Rouge and New Orleans. Um, one of the things they're going to probably have to do is reduce the black population in the already dominant black, um, black congressional seat, take that down a little bit mm-hmm. so they can move from that population to another one that might include Baton Rouge and New Orleans. But it's probably Julia Letlow's seat that goes away. We probably will have, um, the Mike Johnson seat will probably be all of North Louisiana. Mm.
1: Well, okay, Scott, you're smarter than I am. I'm looking at a state map, okay? Aaron, I'm I'm holding this up, Mm -hmm. okay? Tell me how it's not fair to draw a line down the middle of the state and then draw lines across and create districts. If you have 10,000 people in this district and 100,000 people in another district, that's the representation.
3: No, each district has to have the same population. Is that right, Scott?
1: But but well, each area it, 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 doesn't have the same population. Well, that's
6: the law. And, and, that, and that's the challenge, Mike, because the challenge becomes taxation without representation. You need every district to have about the same amount of people. And I, I, I don't have my, my numbers in front of me this morning, but from memory, I think a congressional district these days is about 800,000. What they really do is they take the population of the country and they divide it by the 435 representative seats that are allocated in Congress. And so you take that number, 330 million probably divided by about 445,000 feet. And so each district is about 800,000 people, plus or minus a little bit. Same way we do city council. So our problem in Louisiana, yes, in a perfect world, we do exactly what you said. And you always, you always want the districts to be communities. It should make sense on the map. That's why the Zorro, the Zorro district never makes sense. You want it to be a nice block on the map. But when nobody lives in your part of that state, central Louisiana, the Delta region, in Monroe, to a degree, northwest Louisiana. We're not a populous area compared to Baton Rouge and New Orleans. Right. That's why the districts get very small and very big. Um, and, and we only have six in Louisiana. We've been coming down. We've lost congressmen over the years. Um, and so ours have about 800,000 apiece. So to get 800,000 people, when Shreveport's the largest town with barely 200,000 people, You've got to cover a lot of land mass to get 800,000 people.
3: When do you anticipate the legislature having a special session to do this?
6: Um, I think the courts have said that this will be in place for the next congressional cycle, which is next fall. We elect congressmen every two years. Senators get elected every their six-year terms. And so the senators aren't, aren't on this plan. And so the con- congressional races are next fall. And so we, still, we do have a whole year, really, um, to kind of take care of this. And so it'd be interesting to see if they get to a special session right now, or I would I would imagine they'd probably come back in the fall and take care of this. They could, in theory, wait till next spring and do it in a regular session with the so newly elected really log-
3: with the newly elected lawmakers, right?
6: With the newly elected lawmakers, that's going to be the political interesting part. Mm-hmm. Does this body want to take care of it before they all get out of office this fall, or do they want to perhaps wait because you could see you could. You could, in theory, see the legislature change and become even more conservative, but that's not the issue. The issue is they have to find a way to make six congressional seats, and they're going to have to cut somebody out. And you talk about power politics, you're messing with a U.S. congressman. This could get very interesting.
1: Mm -hmm. Shreveport Security Systems message board, David, says, doesn't it sound extremely racist to say that only black people can represent black people and only white people can represent only white people? That is offensive.
6: Well, and, and I, the, the comment's a justifiable comment that you'd like to think we live in a world where anyone can represent anyone, but we have over 200 years of historical voting patterns that, that, that demonstrate the opposite, and that's what the federal courts are getting involved with. And then they've actually backed off of what was called the pre-filing clause in the Voter Rights Act, and so that's why many people thought that they could go and kind of do whatever they wanted to do because you didn't have to get it pre-cleared by the Department of Justice. But the, the federal judiciary has clearly sent a message through Alabama and now Louisiana and probably going to be North and South Carolina as well. Those are coming probably next week where they're going to say no. There still are some requirements where we believe that the legislatures need to be fair in how they're drawing these districts. And what you're really seeing, and it's on both sides. We're a red state that's drawing red lines. There are blue states that draw blue lines. What they're really looking at is a legislature probably taking advantage of its its majority to draw politically expedient districts rather than try to draw districts that fairly represent the state. And ultimately, if legislatures can't get this right, the, the, the courts have kind of indicated they're happy to step in and draw the line.
3: Scott Hughes, political analyst. Thanks for your time.
1: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Scott. one oh one seven fm 710 KEO Mike and McCarty. Mike, you haven't commented on my shirt today, Mike.
3: I need to turn my mic on, don't I? <laughs> nice LSU shirt.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's very my good. LSU baseball shirt.
3: Very good. I know. where did you get Tigers.
1: it? I, I've had this years. Oh, actually. that's not...
3: Okay, okay. Yeah. Because, you know, people were waiting at, at the sports stores that open, you know, after the game win... And they have the shirts already printed. Oh yeah! And I was seeing messages from my friends like, "Pick me up a hat if you're going. Pen, I'll pay you back." I'm like, I used to go do camp out and get those, you know, at midnight. No, not anymore. I'll get yeah. one eventually, but I don't need one right now.
1: I always wonder what happened to the ones that say Florida National Champions.
3: Yeah. What do they do yeah. with all those? I was told they ship them to like Mexico.
1: Okay. They don't.
3: They don't want them in the U.S. Right. So they ship them overseas. Okay. But, you know I'm. You don't know this, and you probably don't know this, but my family has been an LSU baseball family for years. Okay. Season tickets for years. My father would take a couple of us at a time to go see the games. I literally, and and this kind of makes me a little upset, I literally have a brother who died in the parking lot of Alex Box Stadium. Died oh of a gosh. massive heart attack uh several years ago. So, I mean, baseball for us is like, oh. Uh, I mean, incredible. So, I am so proud last night to watch the Tigers win. So proud.
1: Hold that thought. Got to take oh, a break. Mike and McCarty, 1017FM. 1017FM, 710Kiel, Mike and McCarty on the jack spring electric newsmaker hotline director of downtown development authority liz swain joining us liz good morning
4: hey good morning mike you, how yep, are you doing well
1: i'm doing very well y'all recovering from the storms and getting all we the...
4: are we are we are luckily downtown had relatively little damage uh, yesterday we had a pole down and some tree limbs and things like that but uh you know, weathered through it pretty
3: well, thankfully. Liz, there was a big discussion before the city council yesterday about the noise ordinance for the <laughs> nightclubs downtown. Um, some saying that there's been discussion <laughs> about, um, the noise has to drop at 11 p.m. It has to be, you know, where you can't hear it more than 50 feet away. What, what is the rule now for the clubs and their music? Well, it is a little
4: confusing. And so that's what the city attorney was talking about. And the mayor, they were saying that the noise ordinance as it's written, and it is a lengthy document. And let me remind everybody that this is the noise ordinance for the city of Shreveport. It's not just the noise ordinance for downtown. Mm -hmm. This is the noise ordinance that prevents Mike from having a rave at his party in his subdivision every weekend <laughs> right with uh, with loud music and but my and neighbors like love that. it so uh, yeah <laughs> I, I know your neighbors love it but you know there's that one neighbor who i blast never invite, i right? blast that yeah. benny
1: goodman so loud <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love it i
4: know so I what mean. can they
3: do what are they allowed to do
4: yeah. well right now what the noise ordinance says is a little bit confusing um And so what the city wants to do, and I think that this is a a very appropriate decision that they have made, is to take a look at the noise noise ordinance to see where it works and where it doesn't, and to come up with some common sense rules and regulations. Um, So what it says right now is that I think at 10 o'clock, noise has to drop to a level that is uh, below what people think uh, that it Needs to be if you have a rooftop deck or you're having some sort of an outdoor musical event. And so the city's going to take a look at that. And, uh, definitely we want to be able to have a seat at the table to play a role. Now, let me tell you why this is super important for downtown, especially, but for the city as a whole. For downtown to thrive, we need residential. We need more residential. And when you think about our club area downtown, which is basically the 200 block of, of, uh, Texas Street, that portion of Spring Street between Texas and Travis, Mm -hmm. um, that general area there, we have a lot of residential within about a block of there. We have the Standard. We have some single-family residential. We have the Remington Hotel, which is not residential, but people are staying there and trying to sleep there overnight. And then we have several other buildings that people are looking at converting to residential within those couple of blocks. And so, You know, downtown, we have no yards separating us. We share walls between buildings. So it's important for all of us to play well together in a very small space.
3: But you don't want clubs. If you're a club owner, you don't want to shut down your music at 10 or 11 at night. That's when some people just get there.
4: You know, and I don't think that the ultimate goal is to shut down music at 10 o'clock. But I think the ultimate goal is to find a way where everyone is happy-ish, right? Mm-hmm. We may not be ecstatic <laughs> about the outcome, but we can live with the outcome. And I think that that is uh, the direction that we're trying to go in.
3: What about inside the club? Will the music sound in? If they don't have a deck or patio, can yeah. the- can the music in doesn't the club matter. doesn't matter? You can
4: you can you can make it as loud as you want inside the club and people can dance and have a great time. Uh the latest controversy uh that has come up is about exterior noise. Mm -hmm. And it it's not about the type of music at all. It doesn't matter what kind of music. It can be Benny Goodman, you know, at a thousand decibels. Sure. It can be whatever you want to play. It's the level. Of the, of the music but the if you' if you're level. setting
1: up speakers and encouraging people to dance out in the street and block traffic you can't we can't support that.
4: There are rules obviously and laws about blocking streets, right mm-hmm. um, so the city uh, and the police department want to enforce anything that's creating a hazard. And certainly people who are dancing in the street or maybe climbing on vehicles, that is probably an offense, I will say, that the police can come in, can stop people, can cite them. Um, the noise is a different thing. So, you know, let's try and, and keep those things separate. If people are doing something that's illegal, then the police generally have the tools at their disposal to deal with it or our law enforcement, whoever may be responding. But the noise is something that really can have a real detrimental impact on downtown. Again, when you're looking at residential, let's look at, um, we've got the old sport Tran bus terminal that has turned into a very vibrant location called Shreve Station. They play music outside.
0: Mm -hmm. You've got
4: two large apartment complexes right across the street. How do they coexist? You've got other bars deeper into downtown that have street parties. Just a couple of weeks ago, one of those street parties was very, very loud. There are multiple apartment complexes all around. So it's not just uh, the clubs in on Spring Street or Texas Street that we are grappling with the noise ordinance over. It's It's about downtown in general. What makes sense for downtown?
3: Let me ask you this. There have been some, some concerns that um, there really have not been a whole lot of complaints about this. But I, I've talked to some police folks who say, yeah, there have. We We do get a lot of calls about the noise. What do you know? Do you hear from people who are upset about the noise? I
4: have. I have over the years. I've heard from people. And I think that what we see is if you call the police department and you give your name, you are taken down as a complaint it is registered as an official complaint if you are scared to give your name if you feel that there may be repercussions of some sort or you just choose not to it i do not believe it is taken down as an official complaint so there is the possibility that um that with all sorts of uh, things people are calling And it's just not being registered as an official complaint.
3: Liz, as the director of the Downtown Development Authority, this is how you're going to speak right now, if you don't mind, which is what you've been doing all morning. But anyway, (laughs) what is your message to the city council that looks like they might let these clubs keep the music on on patios until one in the morning? What do you say to them this morning? Don't do it. Oh,
4: I would never say that. I think that we have to have patios and we have to have rooftop deck opportunities for downtown. I think that is one thing that will keep downtown vibrant, but residential does, too, and our other types of businesses. So I think that it's important for all of us to work together to come to some sort of an agreement that is mutually acceptable, that we can all live with, and we're all good neighbors because of it.
1: Gotcha. Liz Swain, Downtown Development Authority, thanks for talking with us this morning.
4: You are so welcome. We'll
1: keep an eye and, and an ear out on this story.
0: Okay,
1: thank <laughs> you. you. Keep Benny Goodman down. I, yeah, I'll, I'll pump up the Glenn Miller. 101.7 <laughs> <laughs> FM. seven. 1017 FM, seven ten Kiel. Mike and McCarty. Have we heard anything new on the Bucky's in Ruston?
3: Nothing new. The last word was there was a bit of a delay while they get the new roads approved. They've got it. Yeah, they
1: do. They're doing that new exit. Isn't there a new one?
3: Yeah, they have to make a new exit there for that Bucky's. Um, I'm hoping that road made it through the capital outlay. I didn't look at that.
1: Yeah, no.
3: I hope that wasn't a After state rep that got whacked.
1: Yeah.
5: Yes,
3: <laughs> that would be terrible. We need to check that. I'm not sure, but they've opened a new Bucky's in Tennessee.
1: Sevierville is that yeah, what you said?
3: Sevierville, yeah, and it is the large as we sit here today. It's the largest. Bucky's that is open for business. They're building one in the small town of Luling, Texas, which is between San Antonio and Houston on I-10. They're building one there that's going to be seventy-five thousand square feet to replace the thirty-five thousand foot store. But the one right now in Severeville, Tennessee that just opened yesterday is seventy-four thousand square feet. And they're saying the Tennessee store, here's where I think Tennessee still wins, because the Tennessee store is going to have 350 to 400 employees, where the Luling store is going to have 250 employees. How can you operate with 100 fewer employees in the same size store? I'm trying to figure out
1: 300. how you put 350 people to work.
3: Different shifts, I guess it's twenty four yeah. hours. You no, know, that thing never closes. Bucky's never shuts down, and they've got everything in there.
1: Okay, I've
3: got, it's overwhelming.
1: Speaking of which,
3: because
1: mm-hmm. I, I just had a visual when when I was saying that there's a I I, <laughs> I have to be careful because I don't want to I don't want to I don't want to make anybody mad. And yeah. kudos to anybody who's working in this day and age. Oh, absolutely. Because you know companies are still having trouble staffing places, mm-hmm. but there's a there there's a car wash. I'll say this: that when you pull up to to do your you know you put the card and select your car wash, mm-hmm. they have an employee standing at the kiosk out there, and they want to start punching buttons for you. Oh, like if you're paying with a credit card yeah. or whatever,
3: or you what kind of exotic wash you want? Yeah. We don't need that. I
1: don't need you out there. I'm good. I just, I, I can take care of that myself. It's a job. Let them hire them. Well, and that's my, that you know, yeah. and that's what I was, <laughs> okay, I'm not going to begrudge somebody for working and you're standing out there in the heat. God bless you. Right,
3: right. But I don't need you you know my credit card hey
1: i don't want you touching my credit card for one well and they don't even really do that no, it's, it's you just you hold the credit card up and it taps and then you select your wash and mm-hmm. move through mm-hmm. what is the point of having an employee out there in,
3: in case it gets stuck up I, in case the arm doesn't raise i i don't <laughs> know i don't I'm, know i'm being
1: i know i'm being overly sensitive maybe but it's it's almost uncomfortable.
3: I would rather you be up with the other guy before I go in the wash right. scrubbing my bumper. Thank you. You know, let's get two bumper scrubbers up there <laughs> and windshield scrubbers and get the bugs off the bumpers before yeah. I go through the wash. That's where I'd rather you be. But, uh, you know, it's a job. I guess there's I, people I remember working.
1: When, when I remember when self-serve pumps first came out, you know, mm-hmm. pay at the pump.
3: Yes. I thought oh. that was
1: brilliant.
3: It was brilliant, but I thought... Boy, we're lazy.
1: <laughs> and now at the grocery store and at the at the WalMarts, mm-hmm. y- you don't even. You know, I would prefer going to the self checkout. Do you really? I prefer it. Yeah. Yeah. Let me do my own thing.
3: My deal is, I'll go to the checkout. Scan
1: one, put one directly in a bag. Scan another, yeah. put another <laughs> directly in a bag. Yeah, I get a I, half price over
3: there. I'll go to a real human if you're polite. If you won't look at me in the eye and say, how are you today? Or some sort of kindness, I would rather go to the self checkout. Yeah. I can get everywhere else. I don't want when I'm in your line at the checkout. (laughs) And workers need to know that. I don't want that.
1: Companies, I, 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 years ago, I told my wife, I said, I could, I could do a consulting business for business owners on employee. Relationships. Oh, absolutely. My first job was a a a locally owned Mm -hmm. Texaco gas station. So this guy was invested; it was his business. You bet. And then Brookshire's. I worked at Brookshire's when I was in high school. You better be nice to the customer. They told me, you know, if a customer says that where's the food die, you don't go. It's on aisle seven. You say you stop what you're doing, and you take them. And you say, here it is. Right. Can I help you with anything else? Mm -hmm. And that's the customer service I was brought up on. Absolutely. It's still hard to to deal with Mm -hmm. these people that don't give a rip. They
3: don't. They don't care.
1: They They don't care. Where did that come from? Mm -hmm. Michael McCarty. 101.7 1017 FM, 710 Kiel, Mike M. McCarty. We talked to the lady at the, uh, Northwest Louisiana Food Bank talking about the, uh, abundance of food that mm-hmm. the lineman had at the base camp there at the fairgrounds mm-hmm. that they donated to the food pantry. Yes. And I didn't realize you don't go to the food pantry there. They mm-hmm. have locations I learned, I, I learned that. Yeah, all over the community. All yeah. over the community that, that distributes the food, but we've also got another food distribution.
3: Yeah, happening today, going on from right now until 11. So if you know anybody that lost their food, that needs food, Shreveport Community Church on Buncombe Road.
5: 572 Buncombe.
3: Yeah. They're handing out boxes of food until 11 o'clock this morning. You don't have to get out. No proof of anything. Just drive through. They'll load the boxes of food into your car, and you can go on your way. And that will help you get a start on replacing some of the food you lost. And, yes, you said, some of it is perishable. Some of it will be, you know, fruit, fresh fruits, that kind of thing. Uh, most of it is non-perishable items, but that's a help. But, uh, again, Shreveport Community Church, Buncombe Road, till 11 this morning
1: coming up just after the break uh yesterday storm came through the architects again leaving several thousand people without power we'll talk with Michael Corbin from SWECO yeah. 101 7FM, 710 Keel, Micah McCarty, and uh, welcoming our third co host this month, <laughs> Michael Corbin. We're going to have to put you on the payroll. hmm. Well, sweat code. As much
5: as I'd appreciate it, I'd kind of like that not to happen.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, no kidding. Us too, quite frankly. Uh, mine, uh, l- I lost power yesterday during that uh, storm when it came through in the morning, but mine came back on just before lunchtime, so. Uh, Thank you for that. But uh, where are we sitting right now with our numbers?
5: Well, numbers certainly look better than they uh, did this time yesterday. Um, System-wide, we've got about 6,800 outages, the majority of that being in northwest Louisiana, of course. Uh, Shreveport has about 3,400 this morning. Bossier City has about 830. And if you break that out by parish, it's about 3,750 in Caddo and 2,600 in Bozier, with basically Shreveport and the Halton area and area below Halton uh, probably hit the worst.
3: How long do these folks, should they be without power?
5: Well, we felt really confident we would have it all back on yesterday, and this is a completely different outage than what we saw a little over a week ago when the big storm came through. There we lost transmission uh, that we had to get back on before we could work on neighborhood outages. And this is primarily neighborhood outages, and it's just four here, six here, three here, really scattered, and and it's uh, a little bit slower going to get those repairs done. But again, same type of damage that we saw where, um, you know, trees and limb impact to our lines. Not quite as many broken poles, but there still are some uh, poles we'll have to repair as well.
1: Did this come just out of the blue? Pardon the pun. I mean, was this another unexpected windy? Yeah, event? I think it's.
5: I think it's because Aaron and I were kind of high five and through text yesterday morning early <laughs> about how good <laughs> how good the numbers were. And, Aaron, Aaron um, said,
1: yeah, I got a text from Michael saying, it's a wonderful day, you yeah. know, less than what, 800 people. And less
3: than 30 or something, 30 people, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: I, I it's a normal day.
5: Had, I had just sent the text and was getting ready to walk out the door and every alarm in the house, all all three cell phones go off <laughs> and um, I think the microwave was blinking. It was just terrible. And uh,
1: We only laugh you know, because we keep from crying.
5: Yeah, I mean, that's like, what else can you do? And and I, I don't know. I haven't heard many people talk about it, but what's up with the Barksdale bubble? Thank you.
3: What the heck happened to that thing? That's too long no, of a know. damn vacation. But is it
1: effective against those winds like that? Maybe not. Well, I, maybe they deployed the
5: bubble for a while. I'm not sure. I need to talk to the colonel about it. But um, it, it was scary. I thought I could get to the office uh, before the storm hit, hit. Downtown Shreveport. And, uh, of course, being the junior meteorologist that I am, I miscalculated. <laughs> and between between Preston and you Stoner, can... it was scary. You I really, I, I really thought the car was going to get blown off the road.
3: Let me ask you a stupid question. And I, I don't know if you can answer this or not. Of the 5,000 or so in Shreveport, Bozier that are without power, how many of them date back to the, you know, last week that are still out? You follow me?
5: Um, none, none. Okay. We had, yeah, we don't have anybody that is that has still been out that long. Now, I'm going to put an asterisk at the end of that and say there are still some people who have damage to their home, damage to their, their meter box and weatherhead that they've got to take care of. There still are a handful of people that need to have those private repairs made before we can uh, provide power. But, um, I mean, it it started off a normal day yesterday.
3: Michael, I saw right by the um, Albertsons near Southfield and East Kings. I saw a power line uh, on the east side of Kings really drooping down. Like, I mean, did, is that something that you need to report? I mean, I could have probably stood under it and jumped up and touched it.
5: Um, well, I was
3: a little curious about that.
5: Yeah, a couple of things. Um, when you look at a poll, the lines that are on the bottom of that pole are not ours. That's AT&T, Comcast, fiber companies. Okay. So those lowest normally black cables that, and there's still a lot of them, like coiled up on the ground around a pole. Those are communication cables and that work will start once Swepco has finished all of, all Aren't of the work. Aren't they a little
1: bit smaller too than the power yeah, cable? Yeah. Okay. Okay. They, they
5: are, they are. So now there are some areas where maybe a tree has, has has nicked the line and it will pull that line loose. One of our lines and, and it will be low. So, you know, we don't want to we don't want to forget our safety and uh, assume any line is any line is a power line and uh, you know call and report it and and that's and that's what we want people to do is like you know as we get into today by midday if you still if you still have an outage uh, go on the app and report it. Uh, or or call us and, and let us know that you're still without power,
1: Michael. When this hit yesterday, about seven thirty yesterday morning, uh, we know a lot of the uh, out of town linemen and line women had left. Did you did you call any of them back in, or was Swepco able to handle yesterday's storm?
5: We did not. We had already uh, broken down our base camps and. Um, uh, sent them on their way because, you know, they, a lot of those folks had been here at that point for a week and, um, had just worked tirelessly. Uh, but the levels, this was not at the level where we needed to bring in additional people. But I just, I hope everybody keeps our SWEP co-workers in your, in your thoughts and prayers. I mean, they have, worked relentlessly for a month with just storm after storm after storm
3: and today's heat michael i don't even know how anybody could work in this they're, they're talking about 120 heat index today i mean unbearable
5: yeah. yeah it's it's uh it's just the worst situation and they're heroes and there's just no there's no other way to say uh or to show appreciation for the work that they do and and, and i i appreciate all of the businesses and the people that have reached out and said, "What can we do for our utility workers?" Because it it really means a lot.
3: I did get a notice just now, a bulletin, just so you know. Um, the Barksdale bubble was loaned out to Offutt Air Force Base in Omaha to help the LSU Tigers. <laughs> so it's been on loan.
0: Well, <laughs> well that's the I'm problem. Not
5: well, let's I'll put it in a V-62 and get it back.
3: Yeah, let's get it back. Michael Corbin, webco thanks for your time, sir.
5: Good. Hope to not talk to you tomorrow. Yeah, Bye. me too.
1: Us too. Thank- 17 FM seven ten Keel Mike and McCarty. I told you last was it, was it last week? I got to take a tour, a behind the scenes tour mm-hmm. of the Shreveport Municipal Auditorium. Sweet. And I well, first of all, I love Shreveport history. I love you know the history of a lot of these old buildings. Oh yeah, uh, Logan Mansion. The you know it used to be a radio station at right, one point KCOZ right. mm-hmm. FM one hundred, and then it was a Beatles song done with strings and you know <laughs> and piccolos yes, yes um and so learning about all of these old buildings that people just have no idea about and and I got to do a tour of the municipal now when. The Louisiana Hayride, they they uh, they released a, this huge boxed CD set, uh, A Night at the Louisiana Hayride. Oh wow! And it was nominated for a Grammy. At the Louisiana Hayride tonight is what it's called, mm-hmm. and they had a big a big celebration at the municipal. Cool. And and uh, I mean. There was there were so many people that were there that were involved with the hayride. Uh, in, in in fact, even in the earlier years, and so it was so much fun. And because I was in country radio at that time, oh yeah, I got asked to go, and mm-hmm. I was able to hang backstage.
3: Nice, and
1: and it was just so much fun. But Aaron, I snuck off by myself. Oh, you explored and explored. <laughs> <laughs> We
3: <laughs> there's so much in there.
1: Did you know there's a jail cell down in the I did basement?
3: Not that for what? What's the jail there's cell for? There's a jail
1: cell in, case in somebody the basement. Acts up? Well, that's what you know. When I saw that, I was like, "Well, that makes sense." You throw them in the brig, yeah. You know, until the, the, police over and the police come in or police get here, yeah, whatever. But actually, it's uh, it's it was a movie set. Ah, and I okay. thought it was from. The pardon, which was uh, based on a true story, and I was actually in that film. But it was it was actually uh, on the tour. I learned our Robin Snyder, former Shreveport police officer Mm -hmm. uh, and Shreveport historian, told us it it was from the Guardian, the Kevin Costner film. Okay. And when one of them gets thrown in jail, yeah, that's where it was. And for some reason, they built the jail set in the bottom of the municipal, and it's still up.
3: Oh, that's cool. That's but really it was cool. so
1: much fun. It was so interesting. Nice. And and when you do the behind the scenes tour, you get to see a lot of things that you normally don't get to see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, during if you just go to a concert at the municipal right, or a right. show. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And they, and, they do and
3: regular tours down there, right? They
1: do. They they the you can set up a tour. I think you have to have at least eight people. Okay, And uh, I've got pictures of that on the website, keelnews.com, that Very I took cool. a ton of pictures, uh, a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. But it was so interesting. And one of the girls that was on the tour, a college student from Centenary, she was a foreign, well, I don't know, foreign exchange, but she was from Ireland. Okay, and she talked like this and it was, yes. like, but she was a huge Elvis fan.
3: Oh, that's cool.
0: So
1: she really wanted to see a lot of these places. Oh, yeah. There's a black and white picture of Elvis kind of leaning in a corner with a girl that, you know, from the 50s. Okay. It was back at the Hayride days. And and we saw where that corner was. Oh, and in the man. stairwell, it was just a lot of fun. Thanks to Robin for uh, just having an encyclopedic knowledge. Oh,
3: your pictures are really amazing. Of the they really municipal, are. and it was awesome. a
1: lot of fun. Yeah, that's on keelnews. dot com. Mm-hmm. But uh, I love that. I love having Ernie Robertson in.
3: Oh, he knows more about Shreveport. The, the history of this town is so rich. It's and fascinating. It
1: really is fascinating. And things that we take for granted, and I want to get into this sometimes. Uh, how did Urie Drive get its name? A.C. Steer. We just say, oh, over mm-hmm. at A.C. Steer. Well, oh, that was a person. These were people, yeah. Fascinating people. Absolutely. In the development of our city. Mm-hmm. But just a lot of fun. But, but uh, yeah, check out the pictures on keelnews.com if you if you love the municipal. It's a, It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Micah McCarty, 1017.